Hi, mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Reawakened Mom Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the incredible Alan Miller. Alan is a parenting coach for moms and dads. During this episode, she shares some strategies on where you can start if you're feeling guilty on how you are parenting your children. Maybe it's because you're yelling too much. Maybe it's because you're trying to find that balance between work and parenting. Or maybe you're just confused on how to do this whole parenting thing. Does any of this sound familiar? As a mom, you could have times when you want to do better. And believe me, you can. It is never too late. Alan helps me work through my she-hook anger and what the behavior may be telling me. What's your trigger in parenting? We can do this, moms. Make sure you go follow Alan on Instagram. Check out the show notes for details on this full episode, where to find Alan, and so much more. Also, before we get started, did you know I was part of a compilation book this year? It is actually a number one bestseller on Amazon. And if you're looking for some inspiration from other incredible women, check out the book and my chapter, Bet on Yourself where I share about my journey into discovering the strength in myself, listening to that inner knowing and believing in myself when I made decisions that were best for me and my family. Check it out in the show notes. I promise you won't be sorry. We are so happy you're here to listen to our conversation. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Reawakened Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Clampett. I am so grateful you're here. This show is for you if you find yourself always putting others' needs before yours. You naturally take care of others first. You find yourself in constant comparison with other moms. You put your dreams, goals, ambitions, and passions on hold. If you've raised your hand and said, that's me, this show is for you. You are not alone. My goal with this podcast is to show you it doesn't have to be this way. I invite you to join the weekly conversations and learn mom hacks, proven strategies, techniques, and mindset tips to reawaken who you truly are. Some episodes, I'll be here riding solo and riffing on a specific topic. Other weeks, I'll invite moms and experts to share their stories and journeys on how they reawakened their life. We need your voice out in this world, so stop hiding, stop dimming, stop following, and start knowing, shining, and leading because you are not alone. Let's reawaken the passion living inside of you together. All right, Alan, I am so excited to welcome you to the show today. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in and introduce you to my audience today and have them learn from you. So before we dive into you and everything that you are all about and what you are doing in your world, could you just give us a little heads up about who you are? Like, where are you in the world? What do you do? Like, tell us about your kids, whatever you want to share so we can get to know you a little bit on a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Alan, which is strange because I am a woman and it's a boy's name, <laughs> but it's spelled with a Y, so it makes it a little more feminine. And I live in Western Florida, which is very near Fort Lauderdale. So yes, we are close to the beach and yes, our family really enjoys that. And speaking of family, I am married and I have two kids. My older child is my daughter, Nina, and she's nine. And then our son, Andrew is six. And I am continually amazed at how much fun they have together. 
and how they still kind of play like little puppies. Like they'll do rough and tumble and kind of get tangled up together. But then at the end of the day, they are always like sweet and lovey-dovey. So they're a whole lot of fun to be around and to get in the mix with as well. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is like a super, super fun age. So currently I have a 13 year old, a 16 year old, and then I have a 30 year old bonus son. So it's me and all my boys over here. So I do not have any girls other than my kitty cat. Me and her rolling in the household or trying to rule the household over here, <laughs> keeping these boys in alignment. <laughs> That is a yeah. yeah, it totally is. And I live at the beach too. So do you guys spend a lot of time at the beach? We do. And it's funny. We come from the Midwest. And so we also have experience and love lake beaches mm. with cold water. And so we are the strange family that will go out to the beach on a cloudy kind of drizzly day when it's, you know, only in the seventies and we'll have the whole place to ourselves because most Floridians, they go to the beach when it's hot and sunny and, you know, typically in the eighties and we, you know, if it's not a downpour, it's going to be a great beach day. So we love getting out there really frequently. And that's also a thing that cracks me up about my kids. We are minimalist beach goers. We bring some towels and a bucket and that's it. Like I don't even bring a chair because we're just going to be digging in the sand and splashing the waves and that works for us. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And it's so much easier, right? When you can manage it uh, easy versus having to like have this hand and this hand, and then you have the wagon that you're pulling behind you with all the things. Oh, and snacks. We always have snacks, but sometimes I just leave them in the car because we can just make an hour trip and then head home before lunch, but always the snacks. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I would love to dive into a little bit about what you do. I found you on Instagram. And so just like connected with you on there, kind of going back and forth and just love what you are doing and your message and everything that you are sharing and thought it would be be great value to add to the mamas that are listening to this podcast. So you are a parent coach, right? Yes, I am. So what does that mean for people that are like, what do you mean you're a parent coach? (laughs) I know it's, it's kind of a new ish thing. It's not entirely new, but it's new ish. And I would describe what I do as a parent coach is I listen to whatever challenge a parent brings and I guide them through what I know about children and their development, what I know about the parenting relationship. And I use that knowledge to guide the parent into their solutions that are going to help them with their struggle. So it's not like a set script of do this or say this in this situation, because the situation is always changing. Mm -hmm. So it's really more about how can we help you reshape your relationship so that you have the foundation in any situation to be able to find your solution and find your way through it on your own. Because if I just keep giving a parent answers, they're going to keep coming back with the next question at the next stage, at the next difficulty, because it's ongoing. So rather than just giving answers for this moment in this situation, I really help them develop a foundation where they can find their answers through the whole evolution of the parenting journey. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you find when, is it typically a mother that comes to work with you or is it a mother? It's not? Okay. And I'm so glad you asked that because 
I, the general idea and, you know, the general trend and stereotypes is that mothers and women and mothers are more available, more invested, have more in time and are just more connected in that role with their children. And it's absolutely true that dads are looking for that connection and they are looking to make the most of their relationship that they have. And I'm working with a dad right now that, you know, he's even re arranged his whole work schedule and is making like lifestyle shifts so that he can be more available with his kids. He realizes that's really his priority. Like, yeah, he works, but more importantly, he wants to be the father that he wants to be. So Mm, I love um, that. Yeah. It was like really touching to have him reach out to me. I'm like, yes, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you find when a mom or dad, so whoever's coming or caregiver, whoever's coming to work with you, do you find that there is like one trigger or a a thing that you're seeing most often that is like the biggest things that parents are struggling with? Like whether it's like the emotional aspect or they're angry all the time or they're yelling or they're feeling like they're failing as a parent. Like what are some things that you're finding are like the big things that I think a lot of moms that are probably listening will be like, that's me that you kind of help them through when you're coaching. Yeah. I think in general, a feeling of like guilt around how they're parenting currently is, is a factor that drives them to try and get some help. And what's underneath that guilt could be very different. Some moms feel guilty about how much they're yelling at their kids. Other moms feel guilty because they're working and they're trying to find that balance between work and being a mom. Others are feeling guilty because they just, they're, they're always feeling confused and like, they can't figure it out. They don't even know how to, how to tell if they're being successful or not. And so I think it's just, it starts with a general sense of something's not working. Something isn't where I want it to be. And the way that that kind of that gap what that gap is can be different for different people, but there's always some sort of gap of like, I know this could be better. I know I could be better. I want to do better for my kids. And so how am I going to make that happen? Yeah. If you would be open, I would love to hear because one of the things that you said, and one of the things that I struggle with, because I do have teenagers right now, and I, I hear a lot of moms talk about this. And I see you do a lot of this on Instagram is that like, you're constantly yelling, or you're constantly feeling like you're angry. Would you mind like, what are some things that you recommend or that you share to kind of help a parent feel less guilty or to release some of those triggers that maybe are having them yell or some tips that you might have? for that. Do you mind sharing? No, not at all. Because that is like the anger, the rage, the yelling and screaming. That's a sign that, uh, that possibly several different things could be going on. And I think the first step that's really, really hard for adults today is to just pause and say, I'm allowed to feel angry. Like we are so quick to notice that we're angry and then immediately feel regret about feeling angry. And that just, that is what keeps that cycle going. If you can pause before feeling that regret and just say, I get to feel angry. I'm allowed to feel angry. There's a reason I'm feeling angry that at first it can be scary because it's like, you're giving more space for that anger to show up and be real. And when you let that anger show up and be real, then there's more space to learn from it and to get 
to what's underneath that anger. Otherwise it's just going to come back and it's going to come back. It's kind of like an annoying neighbor. Like they're just going to keep knocking on the door and you've got to answer the door to get them to stop knocking. Yeah, That's kind of the first step, like answer the door. Your anger is there to tell you something. So see what's there, be willing to see what's there. And that alone can be really powerful. And I know that alone can be really scary. So Mm. I would say that's the first step. And then there's always more. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Cause I think that like definitely is one of my triggers of like, Oh, I don't want to be that kind of mom. Like I, you know, that guilt starts where, you know, I'm here, I'm apologizing again, or, you know, but I think it's also just showing your kids that like, you don't have to be perfect. No one is perfect and everyone's going to make mistakes. And it's just being like, Hey, this is what happened. Let's talk about it. This is how I was feeling. And, you know, see if you can move through it and work, move on. Yeah. And I, if you're willing, I'm happy to go one layer deeper because just saying, okay, I get to feel angry. That's just kind of scratching the surface. And then the next step is trying to figure out why is this anger here? What is it trying to tell me? Because all emotions are bringing a message. Mm-hmm. All emotions are bringing some sort of information about your experience. And so anger is often bringing information about unmet needs or boundaries that are not being upheld. And so when you go into that flash of anger, I think for a lot of moms, it's actually chronically unmet needs that, you know, I'm always operating at this level of stress. I am not able to relax. I have not had a chance to unwind. I have not been able to give myself that space to like come down from that stress level. So that's one thing. I think a lot of moms are just hovering at this really high level of stress. And so it does not take much to snap and to explode because we're just right here at that level every day. And then on the other side, I imagine with teenagers, like when you're witnessing their behaviors and you're seeing the things that they're doing, a lot of times those behaviors are kind of butting up against what's important to you and your family values. And so, you know, if you come home from a busy day of working hard and you see your teenager lounging on the couch, your brain might interpret that as, oh my gosh, you lazy bugger. Like I've been working my tail off and you're just lounging around and now you're going to want me to get you a snack. Ah, I'm so angry. And so there's a lot of interpretation of those behaviors. And so it's like, oh, if I'm angry, seeing my teenager laying on the couch, I get to ask myself, like what value is being tested here. Like I value hard work and I see my kid on the couch. It seems like they don't value hard work. So what can I do with that information? Mm -hmm. And in that example, I totally layered on a judgment and a label, which is not helpful, but I just know that that's a lot of the familiar thoughts that might be going through a mom's head. So when you notice that anger, what am I thinking? What is this behavior saying about what's important to me? And how can I start to get on the same page with that person over there? So, yeah. Oh, that's really powerful. So, okay. So a mom, or I'll just say myself. So I have had this episode. I'm angry. I did not recognize I was angry. I just like, I call my alter personality a she-hawk because that's like what I feel like. I'm like, I just turned into she-hawk. Okay. I'm big and green and angry. And like, that's what destroy things. 
So how do you, as a mom or as myself or any mom that is listening, so you've reached that boiling point and you did, you like laid into them. You said all these things, you were angry, you yelled, whatever. You might've even made them cry because let's be real. Like it happens. And then you feel so horrible. You feel heartbroken because you're like, I don't even know why I got angry. Like really that regret I think comes in instantly. So I wanted to ask you, how do you, because I was looking on your Instagram and stuff, how do you actually restore trust and connection after you have done that? Because I love what you said about like those emotions and things like that. And I can go back and apologize or, you know, say I need a minute or let's have some space here. But how do you recommend actually restoring that? Like after a mom has like gone off the handle, gone off the deep end. And she's like, oh my God, I'm totally remorseful right now. But how do you rebuild that connection with your child to show them that you love them and care about them and support them? Yeah, there's definitely two prongs. There's multiple sides. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I would say it first because that regret is real. And if you spend too much, if if you're putting a lot of energy and spending a lot of time in that space of regret, you're almost digging your hole deeper and deeper. And yeah. so to, to kind of get out of that hole, that is the process of self-forgiveness, which is mm. so foreign to most of us today, especially moms, because it's almost like we want to use our mom guilt to just beat ourselves harder. And that's only bringing us down. And so being able to step into self-forgiveness, which basically is saying, I I felt really angry and I was allowed to feel that way. I know I'm starting to learn that anger was coming from this place and these needs. And I'm in a process of learning how to express that anger in a different way without hurting myself or others. Just giving yourself that moment to, to commit to yourself that you're, you're in a process that you're not wrong. You're not bad. This isn't forever. This is a place where you get to grow. That would be one really important step. And then specifically in terms of reconnecting with your child that was on the other side of your outburst that may have had really strong reactions to your outburst. Yes. An apology making repair is absolutely a critical component. And I will say that it doesn't have to happen right in the moment. Often it can't, because if you're still wound up, that's not going to be the time to be communicating. If your child is still kind of recovering and settling down, they need to have their space to do that too. So it might be later in the day. It might be the next day or the weekend when you have more space and just to chill and be together. It could be years later. If you are a parent with teenagers and you realize like, for years, like this has been a pattern that you're noticing and now you are starting to repair it, go, go for it. It can be years later. You can offer the repair, which sounds very similar to the self-forgiveness that you're going to acknowledge. This is what I did. I am owning what I did. I turned into She-Hulk. I got really big and loud and scary. And I realized that that had an impact on you. I, I know that I get to be angry and I'm going to work on handling my anger in a different way so that it's not affecting you. You are not responsible for my anger. I will be the one to take care of that. And so you're modeling. And I would say like in this repair process, you're taking ownership of your emotions. You're taking ownership of how you handle your emotions And you're making a commitment that you're going to try and do it differently next time. 
it's not a promise and it's not a guarantee, but it's a commitment that you're going to keep trying. And so that in and of itself is helping your child see, I didn't make mom mad. I'm not the reason she's mad. She has her own experience that made her mad. And thank goodness she sees that this impacted me because it didn't feel good. So it's like, that's kind of like rebuilding that connection and just being authentic. Like, I'm not going to get it perfect a lot. This is probably going to happen again. And I'm going to keep trying (laughs) that instead of like going into she for five minutes and laying it on big for like a solid five minutes, I might start and then I'll catch myself and, you know, go outside and run around the block or something that, you know, little baby steps make a difference. And so, and I think some people think, well, am I expecting my child to forgive me? And I don't think that's a fair expectation. I think with really little kids, when you make a repair, often a young child will say, oh, it's okay, mommy. Or like, they're just like, oh, it doesn't phase me. It just, cause it hasn't like sunk in that deep, but with an older child, they get to decide what they do with that repair. And if they don't seem receptive, that does, that doesn't mean that you should stop trying that you can, you're going to keep offering and keep offering and keep recommitting and your continuation of that process will show that you're really committed to building that trust. Mm. And, yeah. and then, then it's a leap of faith that you're going to believe that that's going to be what rebuilds that bridge. Yeah. And with teenagers, you may not know for a while that you rebuilt the bridge. They may not give you a signal yeah. <laughs> that they're open to trust. And again, like as the grown up, as the mom, that's where your trust comes in too. Yeah. I think it's also just everything that you're saying too, like as a mom with all the different things that we are doing too, it's very difficult to not try to control our Mm -hmm. kids and to control everything that they're doing and control their behavior and control everything. Obviously I'm speaking from personal experience myself, but you know, that trying not to control like who they're going to be, what they're going to do, like control the things like their emotions, how they're acting, how they're reacting, because ultimately like we have no control over that. And like, they are their own human being. Like, yes, we birthed them or we adopted them or we're their foster mom or however that happens. But like, they are a human being that is separate from us. And I think that's so hard to realize is like, you know, yes, we can try and control, we can try and shape them, but ultimately like it is out of our control and we can just do the best that we can do with what we have and the knowledge that we are learning all the time. Because I think as moms, like with this podcast, with everything we're doing, we're always learning. We're learning new ways, better ways to, to be a mom, to be a parent, to be a wife, to be a spouse, like all the different things we're always learning just like our kids are going through different seasons and changings. Like, so are we as a mom. And I just think that's so important to understand too, is like, you really don't have control. And so when you release that control and you have those open communication and the conversation, I just think it's such a better space and very difficult to do, Yes, (laughs) but it's like, it just sounds magical, right? It just sounds magical. And I'm, I'm speaking from my heart because it is like, I am, I, I have a, major control issue with many areas of my life. And so, you know, I know that things are better when I'm not always trying to control and let each person be the person that they want to be versus, you know, trying to be like, this is how I am. And this is so how this, how you have to be. It's like, yeah, it's not. It's really hard. And hearing you share all that, 
even something inside of me was like, what do you mean? I don't have any control. And it's not that you're just totally hands off the wheel, but the intention is different that you can step back from an intention or a desire to control the other, that what goes in place of that is the trust and connection. Mm -hmm. And so you're not just throwing your hands in the air and crossing your fingers. Like that's not a parenting strategy. Yeah, (laughs) you're, You're stepping back to give space for a relationship foundation that it's not about control, but through that connection and through that trust that your children are going to be willing to be guided by you. Yeah. You're not forcing control. You're offering connection so that they receive that guidance on the other side. Yeah. And so it's really go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say what I, it's like, I can imagine that easily for small children because small children are wired for that connection. They depend on it. Their nervous system knows you are my best bet at survival. I'm with you no matter what. And in the teenage years, that is absolutely shifting to the opposite. That's when they're playing around with, I don't need you in my life. I am my own person. I am ready to fly the nest. And so it's that back and forth. And so if you've got that connection and they have the willingness, then that's what leads to a grown child that says, I can't wait to get together for Thanksgiving. The grown up child that sends a text out of the blue, hey, just wanted to like let you know I was thinking of you. That yeah. that's the connection that lasts. The control creates resistance and all sorts of other difficulties, but the connection is that stable foundation. Yeah. It is. And that you were yeah, definitely speaking to me because I used to be a school teacher. And then when I had my children, I was able to work from home for many years. So we were together, like I, we were together all the time, like all the different classes, all the different things, like took them everywhere. And, you know, we were like the buddies and, and then the teenage phase and not that it's a bad phase. It is not bad at all. You know, you want your children to grow up. You want to see them, you know, in and flourish and whatever they are. It's so different because it's exactly what you were saying where, you know, they are trying to figure out who they are. They don't need you as much like their circle of friends is way more important you think it is, then you are right now because they want to be doing with, with their friends. They're trying to figure out who they are. So they are separating from you, which feels like a breakup almost as a parent, because you're like, wait, but we used to be like tight. <laughs> now, what is happening? Yes. So yeah, so that is definitely, and you know, and my boys are incredible and we do have a great relationship, but it's just so different than it yes. was when they were younger because they don't show that they need me like as much because they they do want to be with their friends and they do want to do these things and they do want that separation from me. But there are those hints that it's like, but I still need you. Like, you know, I still, I still need you. It's just in a different way. And I need to know that you're my safety net so that when I do really need you or something happens, like I know that you're there. Yep. Yeah. I can only imagine that dance between I'll give you your space and I'm still going to like, let you know that I'm present and available. That That's a lot of sort of I'm, I imagine it feels a bit one-sided to like send out those signals that I'm still in touch with what's going on. I'm still going to be connected to you. And a lot of those signals just get kind of dropped yeah. or pushed to the side, but it matters because yeah. I think what we see a lot with teenagers that are suffering that, you know, are going through really big struggles and challenges that, that there's a gap 
where the parents are not necessarily sending out those signals again and again and again. So then that teenager is really feeling lonely and they don't know how to send signals back. So even if it seems one-sided parents just keep putting those signals out because they they matter. They matter a lot. Yeah. I did want to ask you because one of the things that I saw that you had written down too was how to have less fighting and more fun. And one of the things like, oh, I, so many times I'm like, I'm just not a fun mom. You know what I mean? When it's like, you list all the things that like, I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening on the podcast, but like you're watching this on YouTube, you can see this, but you know, all the things that we have to do. So like that invisible load that us mothers have that no one else really understands like what that actually is. And like our minds constantly going with like the check, the check, the check. Did I do all these things? Like the appointments, like the scheduling, like the Uber driving, like is everybody accounted for the dinners, the meals, like all those things that are just there. I don't know how they showed up on my shoulder, but they're there. You know, I didn't put them there. They're just there. But I would love to know about like, how how do you manage that? Like, yes, and you have younger kids and it doesn't matter, I guess, or it probably does. Like, obviously I know because I have teenagers now, but like, how do you have less fighting and more fun? Like, can you please explain that to us moms out there that are like raising their hand? Like, yes, please. More fun. Yes, please. What's that? Yeah. Did you say this was going to be an extended episode? We're going to hang out for three hours on this one. I just... did say that we are, I'm trying to make them shorter, but see, I, I, here I am. Oh, I didn't say no. it was going to be perfect. No, it's a great question. And I'm so glad you asked that because, so I have a background in early childhood education. So before okay. I came, became a mom, like I loved hanging out and playing with toddlers and preschoolers. And then I had this newborn in my arms. And I remember thinking, holy geez, I aren't I supposed to sing to you or like read a story or something like I have to connect with you. I have to play with you. And I was just looking at this little newborn, like, I'm sorry, you got the sucky mama, you know, and that was in the first month. So like nothing that you're thinking or feeling in the first month is reality, but fast forward, you know, now they're six and nine and I feel like they're such big kids and like, I don't know how to play with big kids. Um, but it doesn't take anything special. Like you do not need to be an improv comedy. You do not need to be like a master joke teller. Really. It just kind of means going with whatever your kids are putting out. And so unfortunately right now, my six-year-old is all about poop head fart pants and I'm just, I'm kind of over it. But when he like walks in and says, Hey, poopy head, then I turn around and say, Oh, it like, I'm going to spray poop on you. Uh, (laughs) Just go with it. Like, do I like being called poop head fart pants? No, I don't like it, but that's where he is right now. And so and I, I have options. I could turn around and say, that's so disrespectful. Don't call your mommy poop head fart pants. That's not okay. Go to your room. And that's not going to get us anywhere. Or I could just say, okay, I'm a poop head. So I'm going to spray you with poop right now and like layer kisses on him. And that's going to get him laughing. And I'm going to trust that, you know, hopefully he's not calling his teacher, Mrs. Poophead, And he's not, you know, it's that it's for me because I'm his yeah. mom. I can handle it. So yeah, it kind of start, just notice where your kids are and kind of what is funny with them. That can be a starting point and just try to roll with it. And it's like those little moments where it's not, you know, here's 30 minutes, we're going to play a board game and we're having fun now. Look at us, we're having fun. It can be just those little interactions. And then also 
trying to make a commitment to having those bigger moments where, okay, you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and play a round of Uno. You know, dinner's on the stove. It can wait five more minutes. Okay, I'll play a round of Uno with you. Um, So that's kind of like the medium. And then, yeah, just choosing to commit to like playtime or playfulness and and it's hard because yeah we're the we're the adults we're the moms we take care of things we are responsible for things and we can help ourselves feel better by just lightening up a little bit feeling a little bit more playful and our kids really respond to that too so i would say like three big categories of just how to be a little more playful with the younger kids it's pretty easy if you just pretend to be an animal they're going to latch on and have fun with that so <laughs> It's under seven, be an animal. Like seven to 12, that's a little bit like goofier, maybe um, edgier, like follow their lead. And so like my daughter's nine, she's rolling her eyes all the time. And so if she does it to me, I'm like, okay. And a little bit of exaggeration. So yeah. kind of take where they are and exaggerate a little bit to let them know that you see them. And then like the 12 and older, Oh my gosh. I think it's almost like slapstick. If you can like be three stooges and how you approach things, they're going to like maybe feel embarrassed, but they're still going to laugh. And so if you can kind of just be goofy and may not embarrass them in front of their friends, you know, just when you guys are at home, just like, let yourself be goofy and let them laugh at you and let that be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, yeah. There might be people thinking, no way. I'm not letting my kids laugh at me. And that's okay. You don't have to like be the person that lets your kids laugh at you, but find, even if you just show interest, like, Oh, you're buried in your phone right now. What's that about? Just showing an interest in what they're interested in counts as playfulness. Yeah. Oh, thank you for, for sharing that. So is there anything, cause you shared so much great information. Is there anything that we haven't talked about or you haven't shared that you feel like is one more message that you want to put out there for the moms that are, are listening? Yeah, I think a big part of our modern fast paced, crazy culture today is that we are thinking of everything. We want to remember everything. We're going to go do the things. And all of that just pulls us out of the moment and the fact that we are humans in a body that in that body gauges our experience in the world. And so I have a gift for our listeners. If they're interested, it's my number one tool for moms to keep cool. And it really is building awareness of your body and what you're feeling in your body so that you can use your body as a better predictor of those moments that we talked about at the beginning of when you snap, when you lose your pool, when you flip out so that it doesn't like jump out of nowhere or like hit you in the face that you can kind of see it coming and then you have a chance to do something about it. So I think our world is very driven by our thinking and our creativity and like all of our brain processes, but our bodies have so much information that when we can tune into that information, it's going to help us with all the rest of the stuff of life. I love that. Thank you. I can't wait to like grab that myself. I'll make sure if you send it to me, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. So it's easy for 
for everyone to link onto and to find. So um, yeah, that sounds cool. And my last question, this is what I ask every single podcast guest, because we as women, especially um, do not celebrate ourselves enough, which you're, you know, talking about a little bit there too, or don't take that time for ourselves, a reflection of ourselves. So I would love to know what is something that you love about yourself right now, Alan? Oh, that's a great question. And Thank you. I've got a great answer. I, one thing that I'm really good at is kind of like jumping into some chaos and like figuring it out and making, to use the cliche, making lemonade out of lemons, but really like I, I can go into hard things and come out with a success. And I'm, I'm in a little bit of that right now. And it's like, it's a little sticky feeling, but I know I'm trusting that I've got the resources. I've got the, the capability to, to keep going and to turn it into positive. So that happens a lot with the kids too, where I'm just like in the middle of it. And I'm like, is this really happening right now? Is this really <laughs> like me? Like if people saw me right now and know that I'm a parent coach, they'd be like, what? Um, yeah. And I know I can keep going and I know that we can like make it a positive on the other side. So awesome. Congratulations. I'm Thank proud. You. I love that you love that about yourself. So <laughs> good job recognizing that. Um, how can people find you? Cause I'm sure they're going to be very curious. Like how can I find this amazing parent coach? So how would you recommend they, they look you up? Come on over to Instagram. You can find me at child underscore connection. And on Instagram, I talk about a lot about stress. There's so much stress in parenting and yeah, those emotions, because like we said, anger is just one emotion. All of our emotions are messengers. And yeah, I love hanging out in the DMs and connecting with moms and um, other professionals that are working with children too. So yeah, come on over, hang out on Instagram. That's where we met. It's a great place to be. It is. I will make sure I have that in the show notes so that everybody can find you. So thank you so much, Alan, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Melissa. This was great. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you felt like you were hanging out with your bestie because now more than ever, we need community and connection. If you loved this conversation and have a friend who you believe needs to hear this, please share this episode with them. It could transform their day. Share it on social too, because you never know who needs to hear this message. Follow this podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple so you will never miss an episode and don't have to go searching for it each week. Make your life easier, my friend. Your support means the world to me. If you found inspiration today, take a second and leave me five stars and a personal written review on Apple Podcast so more moms feel less alone. That's how this message gets out to more mamas. If you want to stay connected on other levels, check out my new website, melissaclampett.com. There you'll be able to subscribe to my newsletter, send me a personal message, join the Reawakened Mom Circle, get free resources, book me to speak at an event, or just check out my musings I write about this amazing life. I can't wait to get to know you on a personal level. If you want to continue this conversation and take action on something we talked about today, join me and other mamas in our free Facebook group, the Reawakened Mom Group. It's linked in the show notes because who has time to write it all down? 
remember, we're stronger together. We're stronger supporting each other. We are stronger lifting each other up. We are stronger sharing our journeys and stories because you're not alone, like ever. I believe in you, mama. I see you. I hear you. I am Melissa Clampett, and this is the Reawakened Mom Podcast.